turn in your pew Bibles to page 1002 and follow along as I read Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, the, there remains a Sabbath rest for those people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The word of God for the people of God. It would be scary if I didn't need this. <laughs> so we're Well, I don't think many people in this room would be in danger of saying, I just don't have enough going on. I'm not busy enough. I think most of us have probably thought to ourselves, I'm too busy. Um, I think most of us, as we kind of turn in our calendar for uh, December, starts getting filled, start thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to be exhausted by the time um, Christmas, New Year's is here. It's so many parties, events, our church calendar fills up, family, um, children's things, and and I, I know those, you know, we, we were stunned at how our schedule lightened up after Keelan moved out. And we were thinking, well, we're not driving her like when she was, you know, 14. But if you have kids, you're, you're just running all over the place. We, we stay so busy. And most people you meet are probably exhausted and tired. I, I remember the um, last Sunday, just the number of people who um, Thanksgiving was tiring got them. And so this message is for us. It's a message of entering his rest. And it's part of the warning of hearing God's good news, but not um, believing and trusting and entering the reward of that good news. And what we, what we see is um, a lesson through um, the theme of rest through the Scripture. So we're going to trace that through. We're going to look at what Hebrews says about it, and then we're going to apply it to our own lives. Um, so 
It begins at the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He made all things in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Not because God was exhausted, not because God was tired, not because God had drained himself of so much work that he needed a break, but he rested to give us a pattern, to give us an example, and he consecrated and hallowed one day in seven to be a Sabbath and to be a day of rest. And he commanded his people to observe a Sabbath rest. One day in seven, they are to cease from their work. And so when Moses gives the Ten Commandments to the people, they're told one day in seven is a Sabbath to your Lord. Exodus tells us it's to be remembered because God himself rested on the Sabbath and consecrated it. And when we're told in Deuteronomy, though, we're told that, remember, that we, we were slaves in Egypt and got no rest, and so now we rest and we give rest to others. And so part of what it is is a reminder that being human means we're limited. We, we're not inexhaustible. We're not something that can go on forever. And so not only do we recognize our sinfulness, but we recognize our limits as mortals, We only have so much time. We only have so much energy. We only have uh, so much, uh, so many resources we can do anything with. We're human, and we have to live into that humanity. So God's people observe this Sabbath rest, and yet the rest takes on another meaning as the people are wandering in the wilderness. We looked last week, and and this is the, the story he's getting at is, that Psalm 95 draws back to the story when the people had left Egypt, they had heard the good news, you're free from Pharaoh, God is going to save you, and they get to the border of the promised land, and that promised land is their rest. It's the end of their wandering, it's the end of their seeking, they're able to settle, they're able to enjoy the fruits of their labor, the fruits of God's labor, and yet they don't believe And so God swears they won't enter the rest. The rest is you're no longer wandering and seeking on journey. You're resting. And so they wander again, and they're being told that they're going to uh, do that until, as as punishment until um, the next generation is brought in by Joshua. And so Joshua brings them in, and they establish their kingdom. They bring the tabernacle, and there's a sense in which Rest takes on a new meaning than just the promised land because uh, we're, we're told that um, the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle where worship is going, is going to rest, that it's going to be settled in one place where God chooses, and that is where people will come into God's presence. God's rest is part of their rest. They're going to rest in the Lord. And that takes on um, a, a fuller um, part of our story, part of the narrative, when we see the building of the temple, you'll remember, was something that David wanted to do. David wanted to build the temple. God said, no, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to give you a son who's going to build a house. And we talked about that looking at chapter 3. But here we see um, that... There's also a sense in which this is connected. This is tied to rest. Because when David defeats his enemy, he said to have rest in the land. It's the end of warfare. It's the end of conflict. It's the end of violence. 
And you might remember that the Bible says David doesn't get to build the temple because he's a man of war. 1 Chronicles 22, verse 6. Then David called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name, because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. And he shall build a house in my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. Part of Solomon's role in building the temple where Christ, where God rests is that he himself is a man of rest. And just as we saw that the son of David, who is the builder of the house, points us to Jesus, who is the, the son of David, the builder of the house, you, his church, we see that it's also showing us he's pointing to the son of David, the man of rest, the man who defeats conflict and war and strife and violence and brings about peace. And this is the ultimate rest that we're looking forward to. We're looking to that promised land of eternal life, the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of peace and which is the final Sabbath rest, the end of our wanderings, the end of our striving, the end of conflict and toil, the end of our labors. Rest in in him is heaven, and he dwells with us, and we rest in him. And so this is the big picture throughout Scripture that he is, the writer of Hebrews picks up, that he says, they've heard the message. They've heard the good news. They've heard the gospel of coming out, being delivered, but they did not believe, and they were disobedient, and they did not enter into that rest. This word disobedience really has the connotation of not believing something, not trusting someone. So it's not just kind of rebellion against someone, but it's, it's a disobedience based on a lack of faith. And he's saying that we are the ones who are in between this time of heard the good news and the promise and then actually entering into the fruit of his work, that the rest that is promised. And so he's saying that rest is not the, 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 the rest of um, God in creation, uh, that that's pointing to something more. And then when he speaks about they shall not enter my rest, he's talking about them not entering the, the, um, the promised land. And yet he says even that... Um, is pointing us to something more because it wasn't Joshua who's, who's reciting today if you, don't, if you would believe him. He's quoting a psalm, which was hundreds of years after the event, and he says, this is what David said. So this, this promise is still for you today who hear it. Today is for us. Anyone who hears God speak and say to us, today, don't harden your hearts. Believe the gospel. Trust in him. It remains for you then to enter his rest. So we hear today, and we can enter in. And then verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another later day. So he's saying that rest that Psalm 95 is speaking of is 
heaven. It's, it's the promise of eternal life and eternal peace and eternal resting in him. So in one sense, the whole theme of Hebrews is God is better, uh, Christ is better than angels, than prophets, than Moses. Christ is better than Joshua. Joshua wasn't able to bring them into the promised rest. And yet, there's also something else here um, that, uh, that, that translators don't show us because the word Joshua is the name Yeshua, is the name Jesus. It, it, it's translated in Greek, Jesus, and if you're reading this, it's the same word when we talk about Jesus being the one who builds the house, being the one who is our pioneer it says Jesus, and here it is the same word, and so you're kind of caught off guard thinking, okay, what, what Jesus is this talking about? What Jesus is this? But it's a reminder that it is Jesus who is going to bring us the promised land, Jesus who's going to bring us the rest because of his work on the cross, his work of obedience to the Father in all of his life. His work is what brings us rest, and so he brings us in. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest not just a rest of a vacation, not just a rest of a long weekend. That sounds really good, though, doesn't it? Not just the rest of an afternoon, but an eternal resting in him from worry, a rest from conflict, a rest from labors, a rest from all these things. Let us strive to enter that rest. One thing with this. Don't you feel like, oh, the rug's been taken out. We've talked about rest. We've talked about rest, and now it's strive. Does that mean work hard, do better, try? The strive here doesn't mean work harder. The strive really is talking about being diligent, paying attention. Look closely. In other words, look closely at your heart. Where are you resting? Look closely at Scripture and, and see how it points us to Jesus and what he does for us and who he is. And we, we see him as the one who gives us this rest. So, so a few things. First is, we need to rest. We are commanded to rest because that rest not only reminds us that, of our humanity, but it, that rest reminds us of what we were made for, not just to work endlessly, but to rest in him. And every time you take a Sunday nap, which I believe... I have biblical warrant for doing. You wake up and thinking what eternal life is going to be like, the rest that we're going to have in him. When you enjoy a good rest of, of just playing and being with friends and family and, and enjoying that, how it points us to the eternal rest that we will enjoy. We, we need times of rest. And, you know, it would just be however that works out, as you look at Scripture, your own convictions, your own life, your own patterns, a Sabbath observance is healthy and godly. And I don't want to bring this as some kind of rule that to wag, but to say, God's given us a gift. Enjoy it. Enjoy the rest he's promised us. And, and let it speak to you of the rest that is promised in eternal life. And also, we see the warning is the invitation. They heard the gospel, you've been delivered. They believed it in one sense, but they didn't believe it in the sense they rested in it and trusted in it and therefore didn't enter in. And it could be very easy that some in here, some who hear this might say, you know, I've, I've heard 
the gospel. I've heard the message. I believe the truth of it, but I haven't really entered into that and trusted it. I haven't really committed myself to it. I haven't rested in it. And here he calls us to say, um, they heard the good news. They came to, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And so I just encourage you to, have you heard the message? Have you believed it? Have you really trusted the good news that Christ did the work on the cross to atone for your sins, to offer you forgiveness, and to offer you rest if you trust in him and follow him in faith? And just one other comment on that. I found it interesting. They were not united by faith with those who listened. It doesn't say they weren't united with him. They were not united with you, the church. That part of the great blessing is you are part of his people as you've trusted him, as you've rested in him. You're united with a family who encourages you and just the joy and the blessing of that. Let us stand and state what we believe through the words of the Apostles' Creed.